Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I am one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and I'm the only one here right now. So we're going to jump right into it because we have a wonderful episode with the amazing Lisa Chen, and we're going to be talking about tieflings, and it is fantastic. But before that, we are going to do an iTunes review. And this one comes from a wise DM entitled Great Show, five stars. I've been listening to the show for about two years now, and I finally got around to writing a review. This is a great podcast for new DMs and experienced DMs alike, and always leaves me with more ideas for the game than I have time to run. They give great insight to all RPG games alike, not just D&D, and it's always kept fresh with new guests and topics. So thank you, a wise DM, for that wonderful review, and hopefully, somehow, we have made you a wiser DM. But with that out of the way, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Today on the meat, as you know, we are going to be going back to our series ancestral analysis and today we're going to be talking about tieflings and we thought we would bring in someone that is well versed in the subject and that is none other than lisa chin who is a dm's guild adept one of the community managers for the DD adventurers league the producer and host of the behold her podcast and like her i cannot say that any other way than behold her instead of beholder and she is Mercy on the Hell's Bells actual play, which airs every Sunday at 6 p.m. on the official D&D Twitch stream. And it just so happens that it's an all-tiefling party. So, hi, Lisa. Hello. I am very excited that you are here. And I will kick us off in our interview section with, can you tell us a little bit, I guess, more about yourself? I know that I covered a, a lot of it already. Um, well, I am also super excited to be here to talk about my favorite subject. I love tieflings. They're near and dear to my heart. Um, you pretty That was a really thorough introduction. Um, I guess I'll just mention that when I'm not uh, writing, designing, interviewing, community managing for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, I arrange flowers. So I'm a real life flower. Oh, man. Yes. You got to follow that Instagram. Are you a real life tiefling druid? Oh, if I w- uh, if only, if only. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there anything that you're currently working on or anything you can give us hints about upcoming stuff you're going to be working on? Yeah, it's that the NDA life is rough because there's not a lot that I can share. Uh, but I am super excited that as of this recording, 
Um, on Friday, a show called Adventurers Wanted is premiering on tw- on the D&D Twitch, uh, which I am the host of. It is an Adventurers League talk show. Uh, so I'm co-hosting with our other community manager, Alan Patrick, and we'll chat announcements, adventures that were released, cool things the community is doing, and just kind of deep dive into different topics or frequently asked questions uh, in the Adventurers League. It is a monthly show. Fridays, uh, every fourth Friday uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, so super excited to get that going. You're taking over the, the official Twitch stream one show at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that brings us to our surprise question, which I looked up very shortly before this recording. So it'll be a surprise to virtually everyone because I don't remember what I wrote down. But for you, I have, and I really like this one because it's not quite as far out there as some of them, but have you ever taken systems from games other than D&D and incorporated them into your D&D game? I love that idea. I've spoken to other DMs in the Adventurers League for their tips, so I know that through them... I use tips from different systems uh, for my games. Um, But one that I know that I took directly is I love the game uh, Dungeon World, especially the relationships that you build between characters. It's like part of the character creation process. You figure out like maybe your relationship with one character is that you always tease them or your relationship is that uh, you owe them a life debt. Uh, and I love the dynamics that builds through the party, like really quickly. Uh, so sometimes when I'm playing just a one shot and you kind of have to make up that the, the party has been traveling together for a long time, I'll make everyone go around the table and introduce their character. And then at the end, say like some sort of memory uh, or um, some sort of dynamic that they have with the character who introduced before them. Uh, and that's really fun because you can just make anything up and then it's really fun to try to bring it up as much as possible during the game. Oh, that is awesome. I love that one. I'm totally going to steal that one because I had been looking for something like that because I know other games use it, but I think Dungeon World will be the closest to what I want and I will use it for a thing I cannot talk about. Oh, you have secrets. Mm. Oh, you know I do. <laughs> so... With those questions out of the way, we can just jump right into it where, again, we're going to be talking all about tieflings. Uh, And to kick us off, of course, we want to kind of start with a little bit of the history and then we will start getting into plot hooks. So way, way, way back in second edition, we first saw tieflings. That's where they introduced them in the Planescape campaign setting back in 1994. Uh, I was two years old. I don't know how old you guys were. Don't tell me. Um, <laughs> and then in third edition, they appear in the monster manual as a plain touched creature. And that's real different from what they are in fifth edition. Then the Forgotten Realms campaign setting for third edition uh, brought them in as a playable race alongside the fairy elves with fiendish blood. And I think they also that's also when they introduced the ASMR as their counterpart like they introduce them both as playable races at the same time and then they appear as a playable race several more times over the edition in a bunch of different books we also got 3.5 in there which was huge i think that went on so and then in fourth edition they introduce them as a playable race in the core player's handbook Ooh, which is the greatest thing 
because it led to a video that I think is possibly the funniest video. It's from 2008. It's 10 years old. I watched it like maybe a week ago and it is just as funny because, you know, the big thing was not only did the tieflings move up into the player's handbook, for some reason, the gnomes moved down into the monster manual and it's essentially an interview between a tiefling and a gnome. And uh, we'll link that in the show notes so that you can uh, get some good mileage out of a 10 year old YouTube video. And that also brings us to fifth edition where once again, the tiefling is in the core rule books. It's in the PHB as a playable race. Then we have the sword coast adventurer guide where, you know, the Forgotten Realms was the first place to bring them to a playable race, so we were given some variants. But then we had Mordekainen's Tome of Foes, which immediately made the Tiefling the most customizable race in 5th edition by far. Far and away. Which I find really interesting because, and we'll get into this more, the Tiefling already, from a conceptual standpoint, could be extremely different based on your personal idea of what your tiefling looked like now though it could be pretty much any mechanical version of the tiefling that you would want as well because we have now have two base versions and 10 variants for the tiefling in fifth edition so the question i have is kind of what are we'll go around and like what is everyone's experiences with tieflings and then we can kind of frame our ideas from there Lisa, if you want to go first, I mean, you're in an all-tiefling party. Yeah. What's really cool about Hell's Bells is there's seven tieflings, but they're all completely different personalities. They all look completely different. They have, like, different numbers of horns. One of us, um, Dirge, played by Holly Conrad, doesn't even have horns. She has, like, these insane claw hands instead. Uh, We're all different colors. So tieflings, from a cosmetic point... Uh, are so customizable. And that's part of why they're one of my favorite classes, like even before all of these variants were released. Like the background of tieflings is they have some sort of fiendish ancestry. Um, And fiends themselves all look so different. So uh, one game that I played, I really wanted to play someone who was like half snake, half person, like a snurson. Um, So I played a tiefling who had snake demon ancestry. And that character was really fun because she had a snake tail instead of legs. And she was always trying to pretend that she was just a normal person. So she would be like walking and like using her snake body to just like move up and down a little bit. Like she has legs and is just normally walking. Uh, (laughs) It was good times. (laughs) That's awesome. Also, I love that we're going to go back to something you said there because you said it so casually. Did you use the term snurson? Yeah, snurson, snake person. <laughs> okay, I that's what I thought I heard. And I didn't want to let it go by without shedding some light on the term snurson. <laughs> You're not friends with any snursons, man? Come on. No, I'm, I'm, you I'm not. You gotta put yourself out there. Well, it's 2018, maybe- Neil. Maybe I am, and I just didn't know that I should be calling them snursons. Awesome. John, what what is your interactions with tieflings? So I personally have almost exclusively used tieflings as the bad guy. And as Mordenkainen's has come out recently, I have not actually used 
any super customized tieflings in any of my games yet. Uh, after watching Lisa's actual play on Twitch, it has inspired me a little bit to make some <gasps> alterations to my kind of closed box mindset of tieflings about them always being the bad guy. I'm actually planning, we have in my campaign now, I have a another city who that's like a good city that the players are heading towards where I think I'm going to make the leader of the city a tiefling, like one that has set his mind on being like my ancestor was this evil, is it demons or devils? It's fiendish blood, so then it covers both. Okay. Yes. But the ones in Mordenkainen's are all devils since they're linked to hell. Okay. So there's going to be some devil who was killed long ago who this tiefling is related to. I'm going to set him up as like this demon, this devil did so much bad in the world and now I'm going to do so much good that it just wipes away all that. I'm going to be so good that it doesn't even matter I'm related to this guy because I'll be the thing people remember. The, the good thing, rather than people remembering this bad heritage. So he's just going to be like this top-notch, upstanding tiefling that just goes around helping the poor and pays his taxes, helps little old ladies cross the street. You know, all the good guy things you do in Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> That's awesome. Like I, I Podcast listeners, I, I feel like you can hear Lisa's heart swelling with pride, so knowing excited. that someone has... Changed their evil ways in thinking that tieflings are are only villains. I love that hell spells changed your mind because we're a bit of disaster children. I don't know if we're good, <laughs> but I'm really <laughs> happy that was the outcome. That's awesome. All my plot hooks for later are they they're all the tieflings are evil, so it didn't change my mind that much. But oh no, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect, which we'll get there soon, but yet that leaves it to me, which interestingly enough, I don't know that I use them all that much as villains, but the a lot of the examples I saw were player characters oftentimes. And, you know, and so then, like you said, it's this introduction of the nuances of what a tiefling could be because they were played by so many people so many different ways. And I'm wondering if in like kind of setting everything up for you coming on and talking about tieflings if it like planted the seed in my mind because in the game that I'm in with DM Mitch and some other people from our network I am playing a tiefling and so I went with the feral variant so I'm a gray tiefling and I have essentially two tails and six fingers on both my hands and I will be a blade singer wizard you have tails on your hands Yes, that is the interpretation, and I accept it. It's gross. <laughs> I have six fingers on each hand, no tails. I feel like any character or any NPC could be a tiefling. And it might be interesting if a character is a tiefling without necessarily having to have some sort of in-depth background as to why they're a tiefling. They just happen to be that race. Um, it would be interesting to see if that changes how players react to them. Um, in one of the adventures um, I've written, Rats of Waterdeep, there is a detective and um, he's on the city watch, but he doesn't wear a city watch uniform. He wears a trench coat and a fedora and everything he says is in sort of like film noir narrator speak. Um, and good. he just... 
he just happens to be a tiefling because I thought that would be the most ridiculous. And he's got like two holes in the fedora for his horns and and kind of weird for characters to interact with. I think that kind of makes me think about the idea that the tiefling is always kind of subverting expectations in some way uh, and standing out regardless of whether or not they want to. But like you were saying, they're in the city guard, but they're not wearing the uniform that you would expect. And so I think it's that's possibly the only true through line that I can think about tieflings that kind of seems true no matter which one, which tiefling you think about, because they do look so different. Like you can't really have a, a true expectation because it could come from any devil or demon that they kind of are, are descendants of. Yeah. Interesting. I guess the only expectation is a lot of people do think because their ancestry is fiendish that they have to be bad. Um, I stare pointedly at John. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But as a player character, as a player, sometimes it's fun if people have that expectation and then you can either lean into it and get to play like a, a chaotic like bad sort of character or you can be the complete opposite like you're trying to redeem all of your people and perceptions of tieflings so this had me think of this kind of crazy idea what if there's like a town of all just humans and the first non-humans they interact with are tieflings and they all look different so then anytime they interact with another race they're just like oh you guys are tieflings but it's like elves or gnomes or any other race and they're just like Hey, you guys are tieflings. What's up? Like we know, we know of you. Some of you were good. Ninety nine percent were bad. But <laughs> I love that that tiefling That's is awesome. just their word for any other type of yep. person. What kind of tiefling are you? Uh, a dwarf? Oh, cool, dwarf tiefling. <laughs> no, mm, no. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you've already started us down this road, and I am ready to continue down it. And we're gonna kind of talk about. Plot hooks, PCs, NPCs, just different ways to use tieflings in your world. And John, you went with the hilarious people that haven't interacted with other races before. So Lisa, I'll throw it over to you. What is a plot hooker idea you have for using tieflings in a game? I kind of like the idea of taking advantage of the variance in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes and doing sort of like a mini hell dungeon for folks at a lower level where you're not coming up against these arch devils, but there's all these different tieflings who are descended from the different arch devils and you can deal with them almost at any level really since uh, they have variants for all of them. A great way to do that would also to be kind of take some of the very basic stats that are available for a wizard for a fighter and then just plop on the tiefling and now you you could essentially have a party of tieflings at each level for each version and you could easily find higher level mages higher level fighters and kind of add that and mix that in depending on what what all you wanted to set up and then of course thematically tying back to you know where they came from which layer of hell that they're on and i think that that is an awesome idea which I think also means it's my turn for an idea. So this is kind of a PC or NPC idea. And 
doing divine classes with tieflings. I think is extremely intriguing because you have this, you know, they're just steeped in tied tying back to these fiendish bloodlines, but they, you know, completely going against that and seeking out divine intervention to power essentially their abilities. I think is a really, really cool way to go about it. Like a tiefling druid, a tiefling cleric, a tiefling paladin. Now that's awesome. And so I think having, and going back to what you said earlier, you go into this temple to this deity and you're just like, oh, okay. And then at the, you know, and at the forefront is just this tiefling, like giving this amazing speech and like rallying the people and the party just kind of going, huh? Okay. I, I have a lot of questions for this person right now. So that is my idea to have, to have a tiefling in charge of some divine order. Hmm. Which leads us back to you, John. Oh no! Do you have you another idea? The divine order, I do. So, I also like some. Of my, most of my ideas right now are, are comedic, so I'm trying not to fall right into the tieflings are evil. But so you have all these evil people, these evil races, and they're all banded together. And there's this guy who grows up. He doesn't really look that much like a tiefling. He has features that seem pretty human. Maybe he's got some horns that show up, like, latently, like they grow later, or, like, his skin changes color later in life, and then all of a sudden, th this society of all these evil people th just put him in charge because he looks like he's related to a demon. So now it's just this normal Joe Schmo who's in charge of all these evil people, and he's the bad guy, like, he's the big bad, but by the time you get to him, you realize, like, wait, I know this guy. This is, like, the fry cook from from Benny's like what's it why is he in charge of all these evil guys this sounds like actually an awesome sitcom yes <laughs> and like the constant struggle of like trying to convince them not to be that bad like do it doing their part but no they can't get out of it and just yeah trying to make them like, mm -hmm. all the slapstick comedy of, fa of making them fail also I love that they're from Benny's we can't have ad placement in here. So, Lisa, <laughs> do you have another one? Um, I like the idea of taking advantage of this idea of tieflings are necessarily evil. Uh, so maybe having an organization of tieflings that on the surface seem really shady, um, maybe even have folks in a nearby village upset because they have all these prejudices against tieflings. But when the players go in there, realize that they're actually good guys. Uh, so maybe they're more, maybe they are stealing things, but they're sort of like Robin Hood kind of thieves. Like they're doing it for good. Uh, or maybe they're an organization that's actually trying to fight against people being, making assumptions about tieflings. Uh, and just flipping the table on people's expectations. I like it. Um, John, John's just going to make him actually evil, though. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just real straightforward, shady yeah. organization of tieflings. Oh, no, no, no. No, double layer it. Like, they're doing this bad thing, and then you think they're Robin Hood, but no, they're just evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just They're taking candy from babies. Yeah, they're summoning Asmodeus in the in their basement. 
mm-hmm. it'll be fine. Which it's interesting because that kind of ties back ties into an idea that I had. I don't know where I saw it, but the idea that a no, the tieflings in your world are nomadic people because they are shunned. Like essentially, they don't get to have a home because no one is willing to essentially let them settle down. And so the the tieflings are these nomadic tribes, and you could still have you know, I mean, the idea of these different tribes living. Uh, you know, the different types of tieflings kind of turning into the different types of tribes. So maybe they even war against each other because, you know, like, oh, well, I'm descended from so-and-so, so I hate you. And they're like, well, we're descended from so-and-so and we don't like you either. And they're also, it almost makes me think of barbarians in a way, like the different tribes and who they tie back to. And just, you know, and also, I guess that also means that they would tie back very deeply to their ancestry and their bloodline becomes important. Like I am a descendant of this arch devil and that is where we draw our power. And that is who we also like pay homage to and do all of these things. So yeah, nomadic tieflings, terrifying. I love that idea like how to t- treat tieflings in a in a setting that's really cool mm-hmm. also now that i'm, I'm going to pose a question back lisa what kind of animal would these nomadic tieflings use to get from place to place huh gosh i don't know uh well all i can think about is llamas right now because okay. we <laughs> done Okay, we have two paladins in Hellspells, and they just uh, were able to summon Steed. And one of them has this beautiful black mastiff, like all fluffy. uh, And the other one has like this chubby, like derpy faced llama with a pillow. And it's like not quite big enough for the tiefling. So his feet like scrape on the ground as the llama goes. So that image is in my mind. And that is what all nomadic tieflings use. Done. Llamas that are the perfect height. Like you essentially, each tiefling can kind of put their tippy toes on the ground. The llama pops out from under and then they're already in this dead sprint. <laughs> it looks it looks amazing <laughs> and real weird. Yeah, amazing's a word. <laughs> Awesome. John, we'll toss it back to you. All right. To keep going on tieflings as nomadic, I have this sort of AU for a world where uh, there's only six of each of these tieflings. So I guess two base, 10 variants has 20. So then there'd be 120 tieflings in the world. And each of them, uh, like if all six are gathered... Uh, their souls are ripped out of them and the demon or devil they're related to is summoned. And the way that these tieflings exist in the world is like there's there always has to be six. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the Avatar shows, like the last Airbender shows, but like these tieflings are just born into humanity. Like they could be born to any race and they just are born into the world and they're just, this like people notice them when they're born and like usually if they know about tieflings they just kill the child and don't want to deal with it but sometimes they let them live and these tieflings struggle like they know about this or they don't know about this and some of them struggle against ever coming into contact with the other tieflings like them and some of them are all about 
serving this devil, but it just leads to like, that's why none of them ever want to meet each other. That's why you never see two tieflings in one place, because either greed or the fact that they're not evil and they are a good person keeps them away from each other, and will to survive keeps them away from each other. Cool. That was yeah. That was really that was amazing. I love this idea because I mean, especially be, from every perspective. I mean, be it a PC being one of these and try and going through that to knowing about it and the plot lines behind it. You know, and essentially capturing you know, and who's capturing them all to try and start summoning all these crazy demons and archdevils and things like that. I mean, that is that is good. It is real good. Thanks, man. Lisa, we're back to you. So my character in Hellsbells doesn't know what her ancestry is. So I'm just using standard tiefling statistics. But I'm thinking if people, if a DM has a player who is a tiefling uh, and maybe they're raised by humans or maybe they're like the first tiefling in their family in a long time, it could be cool to start them without those innate spellcasting um, abilities and have them go on a little adventure path to sort of discover what their ancestry is. And they can choose from all of these many different uh, backgrounds and skills later on, depending on how that adventure plays out. You know what that's that's reminding me? There's a story about like a tiger going around and asking all the forest animals, like, what is he? But, like, a tiefling going around to all the, like, other demons and being like, am I one of you? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Are you my mother? That's so good. Oh, so the good. tiger. <laughs> well, because, I, I mean, I also like that being, like, kind of either a session zero or, like, a personal, like, a personalized session zero of, you know, in, in a lot of ways, just kind of no idea like you know and you're, you're not looking in mirrors and you in a way you might not even know like your horns your skin tone anything until you figure out what ancestry you came from like me it's a coming of age story you're like you're going through that transformation mm -hmm. that is good which leads it back to me so I don't know where I would put this because I feel like this idea could work as the start of a plot line or the end of one and the start of a new one. But essentially, let's say this very powerful demon or archdevil is killed. It could easily be that your players did it or it could be that something happens and they die. The idea that the tieflings end up being more connected to that than anyone understood is kind of what I want to go with, where do their powers go away because that entity doesn't exist anymore, or does it turn up in some way because now this entity is dead and that power isn't held inside of it anymore, so what does it diffuse out to the tieflings that are its descendants? Do they get all of the power? That's so cool. Well, yeah, and so does this large swath also then become theoretically more evil because now they've, you know, and they've, like, let's say it's Asmodeus dies. Like, do all tieflings get more powerful, but also at the cost of, you know, and the, the evil that was in that original entity? 
or like I said, does it all go away? Which is crazy. I mean, no matter what, no matter which way you slice it. Also, I really love the idea that it, it's the player's fault and they have to figure out what to do to fix it. It's always nice when there's consequences. Yeah. Oh, good job. You guys killed the uh, big bad. Um, but uh, fun fact, you ruined all the tieflings. So you should probably figure that out. You broke tieflings. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think? Should it go up or should it go down in power? Uh, I think it should be whichever direction increases the chaos. Yeah, I feel like up increases chaos. All like, especially if it says Modius, most tieflings everywhere are suddenly a million times more powerful and a little bit more evil. That's going to cause some. Tr- that's going to cause some trouble. You definitely mm-hmm. have to deal with that. Whereas you could get an unsymp, you could get a not so sympathetic party. It doesn't feel so bad that suddenly tieflings aren't hellish rebuking everything. The, mm-hmm. I feel like it almost immediately turns into the plot line from the that movie with Jet Li, the one, because like there'd be this sudden realization that like, wait a minute, if this power is going out to all of us, but there was only one of us, would I have all the power? <laughs> I also love that idea. So what I, I'll take another run at it with what I believe is our, our final thought in terms of like plot hooks or NPCs. I think it would be absolutely amazing if you had a tiefling that was an alchemist. Because it feels like it's kind of like on the side, but then it also makes me think of like, you know, and the, this connection to that, the fiendish bloodline and hellfire and brimstone, but just using it as, as, raw material like it's not it's not something that they really care about but they just use it and the idea of magic and just that it's this logical step of like oh well i could just use it to make better things and i'll get these herbs i'll get these spices i'll make this potion but i'll also infuse a bit of power because i have it and that makes sense to me and so like almost yeah i guess almost a true neutral tiefling of just like oh yeah this is just what i do like yeah why wouldn't you use if you had powers that were connected to hell why wouldn't you use them like, I have them, so I use them. That makes sense to me. <laughs> so I give you the Tiefling Alchemist. Okay, perfect. Uh, does anyone have any final thoughts they want to say about Tieflings? As we were talking about that Session Zero idea, uh, it made me think back to when I was blessed to visit uh, Ethan Schoonover's Girls D&D Club. I'm not sure if folks have seen... Uh, the Lake Washington Middle School uh, D&D class and club. Uh, But I got to visit them uh, and they started with really basic rules. So they're all mostly humans. I think uh, there's uh, an elf and a halfling. Um, But I played with them and I brought my tiefling Mercy and none of them had seen a tiefling before. And as I was explaining to them what exactly a tiefling was, all these girls around the table got like big googly eyes and they got so excited. It sounded so fantastical. And their characters role playing were just very accepting of this crazy, the most crazy creature they've ever seen suddenly being there with them. And uh, my character was uh, Mercy was very much like, oh, well, this is the nicest reaction I've ever had from strangers meeting them. And all the girls were like, well, 
of course we would. Of course we would welcome you. And we're sorry people were mean. Um, so Aww. for a future generation of tieflings, uh, that just warmed my heart so much. That's awesome. I don't know how we're supposed to follow that up, John. Oh, well, it sounds like those those girls really made a mistake there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a that's an awesome story, and maybe it will even convince John to have not just one, but maybe just maybe two non evil tieflings in his world. So, I had another question I actually wanted to ask you, Lisa, about uh, tiefling naming. I know we have we've actually talked about it before, but I was wondering if, wondering if you could give your thoughts to the listeners about what you think about naming tieflings and how you go about that. Yeah, so one thing in the player's handbook that I really picked up on when I was making my first character, Mercy, was that a lot of them will name themselves after virtues. Um, So like Mercy, Honor. um, Courage. Courage. (laughs) Uh, I actually started me naming all of my characters after virtues. Um, I I was, yep, I had my my thoughts immediately. Yeah, Um, but I love that because in addition to people just having expectations of how you're going to play your character because you look like a tiefling. Once your name is a virtue, then there's also expectations of what your specific personality would be like. And that's another moment when you can either lean into that and for mercy be the kindest, sweetest person ever, or do what I do and be the opposite. (laughs) And mercy is like this chaotic uh, fire machine. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, so that's really cool. A uh, really cool aspect of tieflings. Yeah, especially all. I mean, the other d- idea, you know, going completely against it, like, well, yeah, mercy's just my name, or also being like, well, no, this is what I interpret mercy to be, and like, so man, tieflings, so many options, <laughs> so many cool options, and I think that that is the note I will leave this on: is make a tiefling and then make another one. Uh, because you should, you should really figure out what tiefling you want to be because you can literally be anything you can dream up. I mean, get a monster manual. That's an absolutely amazing way to figure out what kind of tiefling you want to be because you find a cool monster and you're like, oh, this is what I came from. So Lisa, we have an even more important question for you. Where can people go to find all the things you're doing online? Well, I'm very active on Twitter, so folks can find me at MercifulDM, M-E-R-C-Y-F-U-L-D-M. You can also check out my website, lisachen.com, Lisa also spelled with a Y, which has links to all of the D&D adventures I've written and then also all of the other crafts and creative endeavors that I have. Awesome. And we'll have links to both of those in the show notes. But with that, Lisa, thank you for coming on to Ancestral Analysis and talking all about tieflings with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. We just want to thank Lisa again for coming on, sharing her knowledge, sharing her time, and just being an amazing guest. If you want to email us and get a hold of us, You can always do so at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you liked what you heard and you liked the other episodes, head on over to iTunes where you can leave us a five-star review, which we will read on air. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. Or you can follow us on Facebook where you'll get all of our content and updates and everything like that. And just like every week, we have a Patreon shout out, which goes to Rory Bittner, who is a bronze dragon who is just tearing it up. So thank you, Rory, for your support. And as always, the DMs Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can find other shows like GM Showcase, Geek Wars, or Dungeons, Dragons, and Daughters, and more. Again, we just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night. Good luck. Oh. Sorry, I was I was choking. I guess so. The easy I was di- I was dying. You, <laughs> oh no! You killed me with your great idea. I was like, I have words. Get them out. Uh, you guys might need to keep going without me for a minute while I fix this. Okay. He's gonna, he's gonna fight someone. They said tieflings are all evil, and he said, No, I've got a great friend, Lisa, who told me that they are not, and I will fight you. Goodbye.